is, I just think about if, if there's one thing that I want to be good at personally, and that I want us to be good at as a church, it's love, right? And Jesus said that, right? What's the greatest commandment? It's to love God, to love your neighbor, right? So we, we, we understand this, and yet if, if you're living in the same world that I'm living at, in, it can be incredibly complex sometimes, huh? To know how to do that. And so this, this, this sermon series, Love Is, and if you have your Bible, you can turn it. It's 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13 that we're going to be looking at. We're going to spend all summer looking at it. And, and, the, and you might ask, why spend all summer studying one chapter in the Bible? And, and here's, here's the reason. The reason that we're going to spend all summer looking at this Love Is chapter is this. Is I don't want to just cover the material. What, I, what, I, what I, my prayer is, is that this changes and transforms us into a more loving church. And so we're going to look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And here's, here's some things about this. 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 13. Um, first of all, it's, it, it's, Paul, it's not Paul's attempt to define love. You might think it's, it's, it's a, it's a, you find the definition of love, and that's not actually true. He's not trying to define love in this chapter. And, and the chapter can't be just read really on its own to get the full effect. You need to read it in context. And what Paul is doing, Paul is writing this letter to a church in Corinth. And he's gotten a report about them, about some things that aren't quite right. He loves this church, and Paul's desire is to see this church... Being the people that Jesus wants them to be. And being the church that Jesus wants them to be. And reaching the people in that city that Jesus wants, loves, and wants to reach. And so you might say, how do we contextualize that into our world, into our life, into our church? And I would say it like this. How many of you guys can say this? I want to be the type of person that Jesus wants me to be. And I want to be the type of church that Jesus wants me to be. And I want to reach the city that Jesus has put us in, that Jesus loves and wants to reach. That's the goal of this letter. And, and the more that we can understand the context, he says something profound at the end of chapter 12. He says, he, he, he gives them all this practical advice. We're going to look a little bit at some of the themes that he looks at today as we introduce it. But, but, but as he looks through all of these things at the end of chapter 12, he goes, look, I gave you a lot of practical, practical advice, but let me show you the most excellent way, right? And, it, and it, if that doesn't remind you of Keanu Reeves uh, in, in the movie, was it Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? And I don't know what, what, what will. Maybe he was watching that movie when he wrote this. I'm not sure, but, but that's kind of the idea. Today's topic is the most excellent church. By Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. As we look at this letter, uh, 1 Corinthians, and I just want to give a plug real quick. You guys got this on your bulletin. If you guys um, haven't been following along in our reading plan, I just wanted to make this announcement. It wasn't just a New Year's resolution. It's actually something that we've been doing all year round, right? And we want to keep doing. And so you can pick it up amazingly. This, this wasn't my plan. But if you look on here and you find this week, it's going to start in Romans 15 and 16. And then Wednesday, guess what letter we're starting together? One chapter at a time. 1 Corinthians. 
So this Wednesday, you can start reading through 1 Corinthians. You'll be right where, if you're like, I didn't start at the beginning, so, so I'm out of my way till next year. No, this Wednesday is the best time to start. Okay? Read one chapter a day. And what you'll find as you read through 1 Corinthians, you can check me up on this like the Bereans, because you'll be there one chapter a day, right, everybody? You with me? Wednesday? Awesome. Now, there's a bunch of themes that come up as, 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 as Paul's trying to bring a little correction. And really, his heart is he loves them and he wants to see them be the people and the church that Jesus wants them to be. And there's some themes that come up. There's some issues in the church that they're going to need to correct in order to be that, those people in that church. And you, you can really find a lot of themes in the letter. But I've, I've, I've narrowed it down and I, and I really see three main themes that he talks about. And there's lots of other themes. They're kind of like sub-themes that are, that, 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 that are all under those themes. And so today, as we begin, I want to just go through some of these themes and see if we can't relate to them a little bit. So some of the issues that Paul recognizes that the First Corinthian church are having that are keeping them from being the most excellent church that they can be is this. Letter A in your notes is how to be the, it's how to be the most excellent church is humility is better than boasting. He's going to spend a lot of time convincing them that humility is better than boasting. In the first chapter, chapter 1, there's that famous thing. He just starts right off the gate. And he goes, here's one of the issues I have with you guys, how you guys are acting right now as a church. Some of you guys are, 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 are you're, you're, you're kind of dividing into these cliques. And, and some of you guys are like, well, I follow Paul. And some of you guys are like, well, I follow Apollos. The other ones are like, I follow Peter. And then the ones that, that, that trump you all go, oh, we just follow Jesus, right? But, well, all of us are just supposed to follow Jesus. But I think Paul's like, but not like you guys are. Because you're using it as a, as a, as a way to kind of separate and think you're better than everybody else. And he's going to remind them, no, humility is better than boasting. Everybody wants to be the most important at your church. That's not, that's not what's the most important in the church. It's never going to be you. It's always going to be Jesus and Jesus' mission. And he wants to use you. You should want to be used before the right reason. Not for your own glory, but to reach the world. And so he, he brings this, this idea that humility is, is better than boasting. And that would, that would never come uh, to us and hit us in the face, right? None of us ever get prideful. All right, confession time. <laughs> confession time for Kenny Keating. So... This, this happened to me recently, just actually a few weeks ago kind of was, was the culmination of it. And being a church plant and, and I work for the fire department, so I'm volunteer, but I, 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 I mingle with a lot of different other people and they like to check in with me. And with, with I think, a genuine interest, right? And so there's, here's the question I get asked all the time. How's your church going? How's that church thing going? It's usually how I, get, I work. How's that church thing going? Right? And, and then we, we, we've joined up with this, this larger denomination, the, the Evangelical Free uh, Church. And so we just went to a conference and, oh, you're a new church plant? How's it going? <laughs> and this little thing started growing up in me. And, and I guess I started getting sick of people asking that. And I'm like, and I'm like why are you always judging me? <laughs> well, well, they weren't. But, but, but it was kind of like this, this thing, before you know it, it's like my validation I started to find like my validation is in my performance, or my validation is in the answer that I give you, or you're, you're asking me this, and then, and then you're going to decide like, what, how valuable of a person I am. They weren't doing that, but what was, what was doing that was the pride that was growing in me. By, 
by God's grace, the Holy Spirit came and convicted me at one point and showed me that that was what was going on. I just felt like I was just saying, like, I'm just in a funk. That's how I was described. I didn't even know where it was all coming from. Just in this funk. And the Holy Spirit came and showed me, like, no, you, you, you're, you're trying to validate yourself in the wrong things. Just relax. I got you, right? I'm in charge of the church. If they're going to put blame on it, they'll put blame on me, right? And, and, and so what, what, what brought out of me after that was joy and peace, and just, and just really, I stopped being so focused on me, and then get, I can focus on him, so really when, when pride comes in, you no longer can love God and love others very well, you're too busy about, you know, I follow Paul, I follow, whatever it is, that, how you would describe it for you, let's just think for a second, how, is, how does pride get sneaky in your life, that's one of the ways it gets sneaky for me, I gotta put it in check. And so Paul puts them in check in many ways. You can look at it in the letter, but that's kind of his big thing. It's like humility is a big deal here, uh, not boasting, right? And he, in fact, goes, I'm just boasting in Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I'm just boasting in the cross, he says, right? Not in all those other things. That's what matters. Every, Jesus is everything. And so as a church, I think here's some, here's some ways we can maybe uh, 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 view ourselves in a healthy way, a humble way. We're just imperfect people in an imperfect church, right? Trying to reach an imperfect city with the perfect love of Christ. Or we might look at it like this. You know, look around this room. No one's perfect. We don't have it all figured out. We're just fellow strugglers trying to follow Jesus, trying to point people to Jesus. Or you might, one more way, you might say, I I we're nobodies. Trying to reach somebody and tell them about somebody. Trying to reach everybody, really. And trying to point to somebody. So humility is better than boasting. And the second thing you'll see in this letter is that self-serving others is better than self-serving. Serving others is better than self-serving. And, and in the letter, he walks through and he shows them lots of ways in their personal lives... That they're, that they're being more self-centered than they are others-centered. And then he gets into it uh, at the, towards, towards the, when you get closer to chapter 13, their gatherings, their church gatherings. And he points out that the way that they eat together, even, is, is self-serving and not others. They, they come together and they eat dinner together, but they bring their own food. And really what it's become is like, like, like a, a stratosphere of different social classes, right? It's cliques. And they're eating things. They would bring their own food. And some of them are like, you know, like they bring their like, you know, filet mignon and their, and their champagne. And they're just eat, they're eating with their buddies and talking about like, where are we going uh, for spring break this year? Cabo San Luca? And yeah, they're, they're doing their whole thing. And then there's people right over here that have nothing to eat and are poor. And Paul goes like, don't you guys have places like homes where you can eat? You got to do that here. But really the issue is that they're self-serving and not... And not others serving, right? How could that how how could that affect us as a church, right? I, I think you ever heard the term consumer Christian? Like we we talk about that, right? Like you just come to be a consumer and not to, to give, or, or you just come and you like, do you come and say like, how can I be helpful at this church or in this wherever God puts you, right? Or do or do you come and say like, no, what, what can I get out of this, or how much do I like? Right? We come to church and we treat it more like a movie theater, right? Like, 
do we like that movie? I don't know. Or, or, or do we come and say, like, how can I serve? And, and one of the issues that comes up that leads up to this, this chapter in love for them is they're having a problem with their, their, of use, their use of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts aren't the issue, but the issue becomes that they're selfish. And one commentator put it like this. They were trying to use, this First Corinthian church was trying to use spiritual gifts like toys to be played with rather than tools to build with. And he goes, that's just, you're being selfish. Take the, turn that, it's not the spiritual gifts that we don't, we, I want you to change, but it's, it's the why you do what you do, and it's, it's the how you do what you do that matters. So, so there's a big issue with serving others is better than, than, uh, than being self-serving. And, and Paul says, he breaks it down in, in a bunch of times in his letter. And one of the big themes is this. It's immaturity. Being selfish, you know what? Paul calls it immaturity. He says, stop acting like children. Right? Stop being, stop being like children. And uh, Warren Wearsby, he says this about this church. This was his advice. He goes, the main evidence of maturity in the Christian life is a growing love for God and for God's people as well as a love for lost souls. Maturity equals to, to Wearsby growing in your love. And you're going to see that Paul actually says the, uh, a very similar thing. But before we get to that, we'll look at the last theme that I think we see in here. Is that living in community is better than keeping to yourself. There's just times in this hard life when it feels like it might just be better to just keep to yourself, right? If you've tried the whole church thing and then got hurt, I just going to do my own thing for a while, right? Or, or you've been in a small group, community group, whatever you call it. And, and, and maybe there was some tension, and there was more drama than there was, you know, like, enjoyment or, or growth. It's like, oh, I don't want to do that anymore, right? We'll just kind of do it. Just me and Jesus now, from now on, right? And Paul rebukes that. And he goes, community is so important. Being an individual might sound great, but here's some things. It's really hard to love others when, when, when you're filled with pride. Because you're self-focused. You can't love God and love others when you're prideful. It's really hard to love others when you're just worried about yourself. And it's really hard to love others, it turns out, when you're never around them. <laughs> and so he, 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 he brings up this, and he, and he starts to bring in, and we'll, we'll actually get into some text now. Let's turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll pick it up in verse... 27 and how he starts to unravel this for them. He, he goes like this. He, he describes them as a church. This is the way I want you to see yourselves as a church. He goes, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So he uses this analogy, right, where you're, where, where you're, where you're like a body. He says the body has some different parts. Right? It has a mouth, right? it has hands, it has feet, shoulders. There's all kinds of body parts. And all of those body parts are important, he says. And, and, and each of us, we're, we're individuals, right? It's not, like, it's not like we don't have our individual responsibility and our individual things that we got going on, right? We all have different workplaces. We got stuff going on, right? Anyone not have anything going on in your whole life? 
right? Because I got some things that we need to get done. I could, I could plug you in. Um, but we all have stuff, so we're individuals, but we're also a part of something, a body, right? And, and, and so he, he gives that analogy. You're a part of something. And then, as he, as he moves on, he goes, and all of you have different gifts and talents, right? You're, you're different body parts, and you all have different things to give. N- none of you is more, I'm not more important at this church. I know that for a fact. If, if, if it was just me, it would be just me. And that would be a church. That would be an individual, right? And we need so many different things to make this church run. Even as small as it is right now, it takes an incredible amount of work to do this, right? And so we, we all are important. Everyone's important. Everyone has a part to play. And he starts saying you have all these different spiritual gifts. He starts with tongues because I think that's the biggest issue there. But he gets, he gets through all of these gifts that he says. And he says this, though, at, 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 as he gets to the end. In verse 31, he goes like this. He goes, everyone has all these different gifts, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. It's kind of a trick question he he feels out to them. Depending where you're at with your maturity, some of them might go, okay, eagerly desire the greatest gifts, and they go, oh, that's the one I got, right? Yeah, I already got that, right? But I speak in tongues, or I'm a prophet, or I'm a teacher. Right? And, and they might have thought, like, okay, we already got that covered. What's next? What's next on the checklist? Right? And, and, but I don't, in, in the context, really what he's saying, you know what, the, you know what the greatest gift is? It's the one that's most useful at the time. There's, an, there, there, there's this, this old uh, uh, kind of parable type story where, where these guys, there's, there's a, a, a plane full of business guys. They're all like Fortune 500 type leaders. And there's one guy, he's a... He's a, a, a He's a, a, a chief in the Amazon rainforest. Somehow he got on this plane with these guys, and they're flying, and the plane goes down in the Amazon rainforest. And you can imagine, these guys all lead huge Fortune 500 companies, right? And imagine the fighting going on for who's going to take charge. I don't think we should do that. I think we should, everyone's just like, I know what to do here. Uh, who do you think was the greatest leader on that plane in that moment. It was the guy that didn't even speak English, but knew the area. That was the greatest gift. Do you you understand the difference? Like, why do you want the gift? You want want to know what your spiritual gift is so so that you can validate yourself? Or do you just want to be useful? I just, like, what do you need? I just want I just want whatever I just want to be and do whatever God wants me to be and do. He's, I think that's it's more of an attitude. The greatest gift is the gift of humility and the gift of wanting to be useful. And and, and, and God allowing you to be useful in whatever way. Right? He, he says that. And then he goes like this. Uh, to finish off verse 31, he goes, and I will show you still a more excellent way. I'm going to show you still a more excellent way. Some people will connect uh, chapter 13 just with that spiritual gift one because actually uh, chapter 12 and chapter 14 are both kind of talk about spiritual gifts. So they go, it's this spiritual gift connection. And I think that that's true, but I would add that I think it's the whole letter. I think this is the connecting center of this whole letter about love. The more excellent way is, 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 a, is, is referring to all of it. 
How many of you guys have ever realized that why you do what you do is really important? I learned this when, when you go to Target and you watch uh, somebody walking through Target with two kids. And one of them, like, you know, like, punches the other one or something, and then the other one's like crying, right? And, ah, and the mom's, like, mortified, embarrassed. You guys are embarrassing me, right? And they're all just a mess, a mess of a family, right? That's been my family before, by the way. You're walking through, and then all of a sudden, what's the mom say to fix it? Tell him you're sorry. Sorry, right? Does he even mean it? He, he said the right words, but, but, but are they really heartfelt? The why, why you do what you do is incredibly important. And, and how you say what you say, have you guys ever figured out how you say what you say is really important? You guys ever had anybody who came up and told you, really? It was actually kind of good advice. You probably did need to hear it, but they were a total jerk. And they didn't care about you at all. They were just, they were just being snooty. How did you take that advice? We never t- we get defense. We never take that really well. And so it turns out that how you do what you do and why you do what you do. And it turns out that as Christians, love is that key element. As we make a display to the world of what we believe, of who we follow, as we post it on Facebook, it's incredibly important that if you pull that key ingredient, all it really sounds like is what? White noise, or worse. And check it out, 2,000 years ago, as if this was new, before Facebook was on the face of the earth, look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we'll just start, we'll start this series off with just a couple of verses. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You still have a, 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 paper, a, a Bible that's made out of actual paper, pen. Go ahead and write right there, write annoying. That's what you are. You're annoying. He goes, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge. You know what I've ever been in all, like some people just are so Bible smart. Yeah? I guess know the Bible. Or you're doing Bible words for that, right? <laughs> or, or like just prophetic. Like everyone's saying something and then someone just says something and you're like, whoa. That just, that was so deep, dude. You just brought the conversation back where that's like kind of, the, that's what I see as, as like a prophetic uh, gifting. And he goes, he goes, even if even if you have if you have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, right? Even if you're on the radio with apologetics and all that stuff, and, and, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, right? That was kind of a saying they had. Like if they said, we're gonna do something really hard, we're gonna move mountains. Jesus referred to that, didn't he? Jesus, that, was, that was a very Jewish thing to say. But even if you have so much faith that you can just do impossible things like move mountains. But have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, don't you want to be a, a part of a church that's actually doing something? Not just showing up, but they're actually like, they're the hands and feet of Jesus. Or give away all that you have and, and give it to the poor. Are you kidding me? That's a lot. He goes, and, and if I deliver my body up to be burned, even if I'm a martyr, he goes, but have not love. I gain nothing. 
Maybe, maybe in our context, you could even add a couple things. Maybe Paul was speaking to the church today. He would say like this. If you have perfect theology, but have not love, you're annoying. Right? If, if, if you have great programs for the kids and for youth and for everything is like, because your programs are like, you're the program masters. But you have not love? You're not a very awesome church. And if you have just a heart for social justice, you're, 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 you're doing all kinds of stuff out there for human trafficking and foster system and all of these things. Racial tensions, you're just in it. But have not love? You're nothing. Pretty deep word. Turns out, love's a pretty important element. And in your notes, you can see it. It goes like this. This is kind of the formula Paul creates. You can, you can just put it in any context. He goes, everything, or anything, or, or even everything, minus love, equals nothing. What do you think is more important? Love? Or truth? It's a trick question. You're not supposed to choose. That's the tension. He's not saying, some people will get in that mode, like we just love, right? We like blow kisses and, and stuff like that, right? We, we, and we only say nice things here. This church only says positive, nice things, right? We never tell anyone they're wrong. Right? We're just love. It's love. We're about love. No. We're going to see through this summer that it's not that easy. That there's incredible tension in this. But before we get there, let's not, let's not get to those other tensions. Let's get to this, this, this part of like, how do we get the love thing right? Because if we get that wrong, all the rest really doesn't matter. Yeah. You ever heard that buzzword that we talk about? I want to be an authentic Christian. Turns out the most authentic part of being an authentic Christian, love. So I'm excited to walk through this with you. Uh, but a couple more things that I think Paul talks about for us in this part of it. Some people, some churches, as, as a connection in this in this in this uh, in this part of First Corinthians, in this letter of First Corinthians, they hold the conviction that. That certain spiritual gifts are the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I'm not here to make a big statement about that, to rebuke that. Matter of fact, people in our church, maybe you're from more of a Pentecostal and, and you believe that. If, 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 if that helps you want to do what God wants you to do and want to desire the, the, the spiritual gifts and want to be useful, God bless you, don't stop I'm into that. But I would suggest maybe a more excellent way of looking at this. In, in, in that love is the key ingredient as the evidence of the Holy Spirit moving in a, us as individuals and us as a church. And, and I make that argument because I think Jesus did. And I want to show you that. The last... 
uh, the letter B in, the, in, in this uh, love is the most excellent, excellent way is this. People see Christ in us when we love one another. Jesus used that exact phrase in, in John, uh, was it 13? I'll give you the exact text. John 13, 35, Jesus said exactly that. He goes, people are going to know you're my disciples by what? By your spiritual gifts? No, by your love for one another. Isn't that true, though? Aren't people looking for genuine love more than just a, a lack of information about any topic, given topic? People want to be looking. Was it John Maxwell that said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right? Love is incredibly important. That's why I just, as a church, this is, our, this is kind of our, our, our mission, is to engage the community with friendship with no strings attached. And service with no strings attached. And the gospel with nothing added, nothing taken away, no strings attached. If we can do that, if we can have the poise and the patience to do that, I believe we're going to give a fresh glimpse of Jesus to our sin. And how are we going to do that? That should be the question we're all we're talking about. What's that going to look like? What can we do? But people will see Christ in us when we love one another. When, when, when the Supreme Court ruling came out and, 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 and all the Christians, many Christians I should say, um, went to their normal MO, the sky is falling. Like we seem to do every two months anytime anything happens. I was incredibly proud of this church. Maybe I don't have you on Facebook and you did it and I didn't see it. But I didn't see very many people doing that. And I just want to thank you for that. But, but I, 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 I got on my face. I said, God, just give me a verse to help me. He brought me to First Peter uh, in, in the second chapter. And it goes, live such good lives. Amongst the unbelievers, that they see your good deeds, and though they ridicule you, they glorify God on the day of his visitation. Yeah. I thought, you know what, I want to I get better at that before I tell everybody, you know, in some blog post what I think. Yeah. Because people will, will know that we're Christians by our love for us. And I'm not saying that there isn't a place for, for, for that. I'm just saying, for me, I want to major in love. I want to make sure I don't miss that element. And then we see that if you read through the Gospels genuinely, you're going to see that people were attracted to Jesus because he loved them. We just went through a series called All In where we looked at some really hard things that Jesus said. Hey, you've got to eat my body and drink my blood, and you've got to hate your mom and dad or you're going to follow me. right? And why are people attracted to someone who's talking like that? I think that the answer you see in the Gospel is this. At one point, there's, Jesus is with this huge crowd, and, and, and the disciples notice something about, about his mannerisms. It says, he looked at the crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. The disciples noticed that about their leader. Not just what he did, but how he did it. His compassion. When you look at the rich young ruler, we talked about this last week too. One of the disciples much to notice, because Luke, Luke says the rich, your rich young ruler is a story where this rich guy comes up to Jesus, goes, what do I need to do to get into heaven? And Jesus says something really hard to him. 
He goes, you got, you got to, you're, you're too in love with your money to love me. You've got to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Right? Even though Paul says, even if you do that and you have not love. So there's a, there's, this is a big issue for, for them. He goes, you've got to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And since the guy walked away and he went away sad because he had lots of stuff. Back up that story. One of the disciples notices something about Jesus before the interaction. Before the guy even comes up. He, he comes up and he goes, what must I do? And the disciple notices and it goes like this. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then he said something really hard. Love was what attracted people to Jesus. Even though he didn't cater to them. He didn't beg them to follow him. But love was what was attracting people to Jesus. And I would, I would suggest that love is still the thing that is attracting people to Jesus. And we are the, the people that are supposed to be loving. So how to love better. Last section. We'll have the worship team come back up. How to love better. You'll notice there's just one thing in your notes. To tell you a story that's in all four of the Gospels. And it comes, it's a, it's, a, it's a popular story. Jesus one day is eating dinner with a certain Pharisee called Simon the leper. But if you do the math, Simon the leper no longer has leprosy because he, he's having Jesus over. He wouldn't have Jesus over if he still had leprosy. So what happened to his leprosy? Jesus had healed it already. Jesus had already healed this guy's leprosy. You would think that you would be like, like so grateful. And maybe he was a little bit. Until he hit the line. He cr Jesus crosses over the line of what he thinks is acceptable. Jesus is eating with his disciples and, and, and Simon the, the leper. All four Gospels record this. So it was a big deal. All the disciples must have noticed and remembered. Of all the things that Jesus did, this was something that really had a huge impact on them. This woman walks in. She's a prostitute. One of the Gospels tells us it's Mary Magdalene. <coughs> Mary Magdalene walks in. Before she's Mary Magdalene, the hero. right? She's Mary Magdalene, the prostitute. She walks in. She pours nard, which is a really, really expensive perfume. Probably was like, it was like a year's worth of wages for this perfume. And it was probably something that she used to spruce up for her business. And he pours it on Jesus' feet. Turns out nard was also something that you would have used if you were rich and you wanted to, to embalm your loved one before you buried him because of, you know, the, to, to keep him from smelling bad. Nard. By Fabergé. <laughs> Pours this nard over Jesus, lots of money, getting rid of all that she has, basically. She's weeping. Her, 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 his feet are getting wet. She's crying so much. She takes her hair you know, if you're a woman, your hair's a big deal. If you're a prostitute, your hair's a really big deal. It's like, you're, it's just a big deal. <laughs> washes his feet. Say, washes his feet with it. And everyone's like freaking out, right? Like, what is going on right now? This is too far. I don't even get this right now. Inside of Simon, the leper is like, yeah, well, he healed me, but I'm a pretty good guy, right? It's a prostitute. What's going on here? This makes no sense to me. Jesus goes and tells basically the equivalent of the story. Like, I came in here, you didn't even wash my feet. I, I healed you as a leper, man. I'm not going to bring that up right now, but you remember that, right? You didn't even wash my feet, which is just normal for a stranger that walks into your house. You were culturally unacceptable to me. 
and you're going to blame her? And he goes, look, here's the deal. You want to know how I love more? Those who understand how much they've been forgiven, they love a lot. Those who don't, like you were healed from leprosy, they don't love very much, do they? I would suggest that our starting point for this love series is to just focus on what we've been given in Christ. He's washed us white as snow. You want to know what the what if or the or, or, or the what now is, the takeaway? It's this. Let's focus all of our attention. And if you are blown away by what Jesus has done for you in your life, then I want you to stand to your feet. And let's start this series by praising him for all that he's done. And in a couple songs, we're going to take communion in remembrance of all that he's done. Let's worship. Thank you. 